in this episode, I want to talk a little bit about chi emission, um, what it is, what it isn't, um, and just give my personal views on it. Uh, but first of all, just to address um, a common comment that comes up underneath these videos, um, is I'm like getting a lot of people writing, uh, why so much talking? Why aren't you doing anything? You know, where's the instructional videos? Um, well, firstly, in case you're confused, this is a podcast. This is what this what it is. So a podcast is a generally known to be a speaking thing. There's not much demonstration of anything. The main reason that um, nothing is shown here is because also because these sound uh, these these talks turn into sound files which appear online elsewhere and a lot of people listen to these as just purely as sound files so therefore the <laughs> visuals um, of such a medium are a little bit useless um, so this is a first of all this is a podcast you know it's a talking thing don't get confused by what this is it's just me chatting just enjoying talking about something and sharing some ideas uh, often with my students but also with anybody in the public who, who wishes to listen that, that's what a podcast is the, the second thing is like, uh, the other thing is I'm asked why don't I do demonstration videos. I've done a lot of demonstration videos. I have filmed hundreds of demonstration videos, especially during the lockdown period. But they're all, they're all generally out within my school. I share quite a lot of information publicly. Um, but generally, I have more of a vested interest in teaching those people who are actually my students um, or, or have chosen to train uh, in my methods. So there's plenty of instructional videos out there, but these are not them. These are podcasts. Uh, so this is just me chatting about a concept and, and discussing some theory and some ideas, you know, and killing time during lockdown, to be totally honest. It's a strange thing doing, you know, these, these talks, talking to yourself is kind of peculiar, but, um, you know, getting used to it uh, in, increasingly. You know, I, I'm sure when lockdown finishes, um, well, it's already kind of ending, isn't it? People are getting bored of COVID now, aren't they? So if... <laughs> You know, everything's kind of going back to normal as far as I can see. Maybe there's a big lockdown coming in the winter, who knows. But certainly by next year, uh, when things are, people are able to move around a bit, then I'll, I'll have some guests on here and we'll have some conversations about some things. But for now, I shall sustain this program uh, just on my own, which I'm quite happy to do, um, as odd as it may be. But if you're not into podcasts, you're not into a sort of long-form discussion, uh, then, you know, just go elsewhere. There's nothing to see here. <laughs> So, qi emission. Um, so, I'm sure if you've been in the Qigong world, you know what this is. Um, but if you haven't, this is essentially, or you haven't seen it, or you're new to Qigong perhaps, it's essentially where um, the Qigong therapist or practitioner emits or gives out qi into the, the body of a patient, uh, generally for medical reasons, there's other reasons it's used, but normally as a form of medicine. So, it's, it's definitely on the more esoteric, woo-woo, sort of uh, side of these arts, um, because it, a lot of the other things that are done within these arts, you could kind of argue there's a there's a sort of physiological science taking place behind it or something. But definitely, by the time you get to chi emission, the giving out of an invisible energy and invisible information field to another person, then you're definitely talking about something that's that's beyond what a lot of people um, will embrace or, or believe in as a concept. So, it's a very um, divisive topic. Because I've known uh, people who do Qigong, who've been in Qigong for years, um, who still say that it's uh, not real. Um, but, you know, say that Qi isn't real, that it's a metaphor for something. And then I've seen other people who've had absolutely no evidence of it whatsoever, just adamantly will believe it. Um, and I find, um, I find both concepts strange. I mean, the first thing to discuss really is this idea of belief. Um, or something, whether you have belief. And it's something that's um, always been confusing for me because I, I grew up around these arts, I guess. I've been in these arts probably for a higher 
probably for a higher percentage of my life than most people, because essentially not only was I um, studying from a child, but I was brought up, brought up around uh, associations and organizations of, of martial arts and Tai Chi and Qigong and things like this. So my whole life I've just been surrounded by all these um, by all of these arts, which does amuse me actually, because sometimes some of the criticism I get is that people say, oh, look at this guy who's turned up after five minutes training and now thinks he's this, that, or the other. Firstly, I don't think I'm this, that, or the other. I'm just me. I'm teaching, and if people want to come learn off me, that's fine. If they don't, that's also okay. Um, but secondly, actually, I think people don't know how long I've been around these arts. It's been a fair while, so I do have a fair spread of experience um, with everything from martial arts through to medicine and things like that. I, I do, you know, I have seen a fair bit. I've been around a little while. So uh, belief is always a strange concept to me because I guess I never had, when I was growing up, I didn't have belief in any of this, but I didn't have disbelief in any of this either. Um, it was neither. But it, so, but some people will hear that and say, well, that's the sensible thing to do because you just cope and kept an open mind. But I didn't do that either. I, I actually just had an irrelevance to it. Like it literally didn't cross my mind. So before I had seen chi emission or experienced chi emission, I didn't believe in chi emission or I didn't not believe in chi emission. But I also didn't have a, an open mind to chi emission. It was just irrelevant. It just wasn't within my practice range. It wasn't within my realm of experience. It wasn't within the realm of what I was doing because I was always focused on what I was doing. Then when I saw chi emission done on somebody else, um, again, it was irrelevant, and when I experienced it also, it was irrelevant. So once I had experienced chi emission, and there was definitely something that was beyond my prior experience, you know, it wasn't like I went through some great hallelujah transformation moment or anything. It was just, okay, now that is within my realm of experience. Uh, so that's what I do, and this is what I work with. But this is how I've always approached everything, just complete irrelevance to what something is, not belief, not disbelief. I just get on with what I'm doing. And I, I, find this, uh, I find this a strange phenomenon that exists within people that they have to either believe or not believe. And both of which are very sort of fixed ideas, aren't they? If you already believe something before you've seen it, the fact that you're putting your sort of intention behind that idea is very galvanizing towards one point. You already have a very sort of almost like an ideology straight away. If you don't believe because that's all fakery and blah, 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 then that's a sort of, that's an ideology already. If you say I'm open-minded, often when I see people say that, what I see them saying is actually, <clears throat> I believe, but I don't want to say I believe. You know, it's kind of that idea, but whether it's that or not, that to be open-minded is almost like an ideology in itself as well. So all of these things I always find kind of strange because people when they put themselves into these camps of belief systems and this creates conflict and in the wider community, but but more importantly, more importantly, that because I mean the conflict in the wider community, who cares? People are going to argue over anything anyway, so who gives a shit if that happens? But more importantly, for your own development, if you developed a very fixed idea of something, um, then it kind of sets you in a direction that may or may not be right for you. So I always adopted the idea of irrelevance. You know, if, and I've had this, people have asked me about things that I've not seen, say something extreme, like levitation, I don't know, as an example, something crazy. Someone says, do you believe in levitation, which is not something I've personally ever seen. I've seen people in meditation sort of bounce up off the ground spontaneously, you know, just meditation, they just sort of up and down, like and why they bounce, nobody knows. I've seen people become a little bit lighter on a set of scales. I've seen people come light enough, you can slide paper out from underneath them. 
None of that is levitation to me. When I say levitation, I mean literally lifting off the floor and hovering for a period of time above the ground. Everything else it, that I've described is not levitation. So when people ask me something about something extreme like levitation, do you believe in, in levitation? I say, I don't know. And they, well, what do you mean? Do you not believe in levitation? Then I don't know. Like It's just irrelevant. It's, it's not within my realm of questioning. I don't even have an open mind to it. I just don't care. It's irrelevant because it's not something I'm doing. And I've always kind of adopted um, that attitude because then I'm able to just listen to things that people say and, and sort of, you know, carry on with what I'm doing. And, and gradually that's it. That life to me is like a sphere of experience. Um, that's, that's all I can ever know. And if something is within my experience, then I'll, you know, I'll work towards developing an understanding of it. But if it's not within my realm of experience, it's not like I pretend it's not real or I say something. It's just not something I've experienced. So I can't talk about it with any authority. Um, and, and I think, before I talk about Chi Mission, that this is a healthier way to approach subjects that are essentially bordering on very, very esoteric. Chi Mission, to me, is one of these subjects that people fall into one of these camps of. Um, and again, I think that's the wrong approach to have to it. But also, I can see why. I can see why. Partially because qi emission, the passing of energy, if you want, from one person to another, can take many different forms, many, many different forms. And sometimes when people say qi emission, uh, or other words, you know, energy healing, or hands-on healing, or, or whatever, well, hands-on healing is a bit different, because doesn't that imply a slightly religious, I don't know, maybe, maybe it doesn't. <clears throat> but um, people use these terms as if all of these different things that fall under this category, under this category are the same, and they're not. Um, they're, they're very, very different. <clears throat> excuse me. You have to excuse me having a, a slightly uh, croaky voice. I've got a sore throat, but it's not COVID, so don't worry. Oh. If you were concerned for my well-being, thank you. If not, I understand. But uh, it's not COVID. It's just super hot here in the Algarve at the moment, and uh, you can't help but be dehydrated. It doesn't matter how much fluid you, you try to get down. You Basically, you never quite have enough water in the body. Mm. So, excuse me for you. So... <clears throat> With Chi Emission, um, a lot of people will have seen videos on YouTube, um, and some people will have been uh, lucky enough to experience it. Um, but you also have to include some of the other arts like Reiki and things like this into it, which I'm not a fan of, by the way. Um, and a lot of people then get very grumpy because they're into Reiki, but it, it's okay. Just because I'm not a fan of Reiki, uh, that doesn't mean you can't do Reiki. Like uh, It's the other thing that happens is people feel attacked if someone doesn't like what they do. Um, which is very peculiar because if I go see some of my family, my cousins or whatever, they don't like Qigong or they don't practice Qigong or they have no interest in Qigong or something. But I don't find that offensive. I don't instantly dislike my family members because it's just, just different things we do. I personally don't like Reiki and I'll explain why in a little while. But if you want to do Reiki, that's fine. Please don't take it personally. I don't, I don't see why people are so defensive of things like that, but there you go. So, uh, chi healing. The, the first thing is, let's talk about all the fake chi healing. <laughs> let's talk about that first. So, what you'll often see is a video where the, the qigong healer uh, moves his hands around or something around the body of a patient who's normally stood, actually. Quite often they're stood in the videos. Um, and they sort of, they move their hands around in these esoteric patterns. They build their chi, they summon the energies from different directions, and they emit it from their palms um, into the patient. Now, there's a type of chi emission you'll see that what happens is then the, the patient's body starts to move. 
starts to move. So first of all, they'll start to sway in time with the hands of the therapist. Um, and then maybe they start to spin quite often or run around or do weird movements, you know. And you see the, the therapist kind of pulling and pushing on them and things like this to, to lead them around. Those, those kind of chi emission um, demonstrations always amuse me. I think they're quite funny because there's two components to it. There's a real component to it, in my experience. Um, and there's also a, a fake component to it. And, and I think this is why they can be quite, um, you know, divisive videos when you watch them because some people will see the true part of it and some people will see the fake part of it. And it depends what you're kind of tuned into if you like, visually, what bit are you, what frequency are you picking up? That's a bit esoteric, but you know what I mean. What, what bit are you tuned into of that video? Are you aligned with a bit of story, aligned with a bit of fake? And consequently, consequently what will happen is that will reinforce your view on, on sheer mission. So let's talk about the, the real part first. So the real part is that there is a field around um, each of us that can interact with another person, whether it's a biomagnetic or a bioelectric or something more aesthetic, it doesn't really matter. Um, in fact, in, in Eastern beliefs, there is a very tangible field around that that's almost basically a magnetic field. And then there are increasingly ethereal fields that, that move into sort of um, more spiritual levels of information. That's essentially the, the model that they generally work into. But often in mission, those kind of things where someone waves their hands around, the densest of the fields around them is affecting the 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 patient, the victim, the receiver, whatever you want to call it, um, to create these movements out of them. And you'll see everything from, you know, the moving around to move the um, patient or the person around through to, you know, someone sat in a chair and they'll, and they'll lift and they'll lift the person's arm as if they're kind of on a string or something against their will and, you know, to, to do a treatment to show that they're, they're sending chi through the body. Now, essentially, most of how these things work is basically because the denser field that is around the therapist starts to interact with the patient's body. And what it starts to interface with primarily is the nervous system. And it doesn't matter how many times we talk about the the, the energy that flows in the meridians or anything like this or, or something like that, it, it's the nervous system that's affected generally. So what happens is when the field from the practitioner starts to interface with the, the patient, there is a influence upon the energy that is moving through the nerves. Now the nervous system energy has a light, slightly electrical quality to it and what it does is it starts to cause the nerves to move and this influences little sort of um, involuntary movements inside the patient um, and the reaction is that the person starts to move because the nervous system is moving. Because it's not a conscious movement of the nervous system, it's not like I'm choosing to move my arm, it has a very specific quality to it. It looks a little bit, uh, it looks very relaxed um, it looks a little bit out of their control and a little bit sort of etheric when they're moving, a little bit unusual. And you can recognize the movement in someone that's coming from this kind of subconscious movement of uh, energy through the nervous system that's causing their body to move. In Qigong, they call this zifagong, meaning essentially spontaneous qi movement. Um, and in spontaneous movement, the old model was, you know, that qi was moving through the channels and where it hits blockages, it releases. And it's kind of true, you know, sort of true, but really what's happening is there's an increased movement of energy through the nervous system. And as the nerves are stimulated, um, it creates movements in the body, especially if there is bound up tension in regions of the body. Say there's tension caught uh, here, like in the elbow, for whatever reason, we all store tension everywhere, right? Then when that energy comes through the nerves, it, it's almost like it hits something that's bunched up and it causes the, 
the nerve to contract the muscle in that area and then the body will move. Now, um, is this uh, a sort of thing that's going to influence everybody? No. It will depend on a, in a lot of cases on, on how much tension is built into the patient's body. That's the first thing that will influence it. So someone who is able to relax is more likely to get these kind of physical reactions, you know. It's also very much dependent upon the state of someone's mind because if someone is very focused and alert in their mind, then they're almost not in that state. They're not in that state where the nerves, the energy in the nerves can kind of move subconsciously. If they're too much in fight or flight, for example, then the nerves are already kind of hardwired. I'm aware that's a bit pseudo-scientific the way I'm explaining it, but that's, I'm not a scientist, just kind of my experience and what I've seen. But if someone is out of fight or flight and very relaxed, um, then the nervous system is more likely to have these kind of automatic movements taking place through them. And we can see this in Qigong schools that use Zofagong. What they generally try to do to elicit the effect of Zofagong spontaneous movement on their students um, within their art is they sort of stretch everything open generally. They kind of open out the body, but then they relax the body. So what you do is you're pulling all the nerves out so they're a little bit engaged, but then relaxing the mind and relaxing the tissues to put them almost into a, well, you are not almost, you're moving them out of fight or flight towards a relaxed state with sort of deep breathing and listening to the body and, and zoning in on what they're doing, zoning out of the outside world. Um, and then what happens is this kind of subconscious energy starts to move uh, through the nerves uh, of the, the student and it starts to create zofagon. A spontaneous movement is why you see the strange movement. Most people who do Qigong have experienced it to a certain extent at some stage because they've found even they start rocking side to side or an arm starts to float of its own accord or something. But essentially it's that process taken a little bit further. Now, where the true part of it comes from is that if you have someone who's trained uh, Qigong to a certain degree, there's something that happens within the field around them where the field almost becomes a little bit more reinforced. You know, it's like a little bit stronger. Uh, the use of the intent and the use of their training and the opening up of the body and according to some teachers, the frequency they vibrate at, but I don't know because I can't see that um, visually. You know, what happens is that field gets stronger, so then that field starts to influence the other person's body. It's very similar to if you take my arm, you know, take your arm and you place it above someone else's arm near the arms on their hairs, it's not long before the, the sort of your hairs on your arms stand up, you know, because you're very, very close. And partially that's because the warmth coming off of the hands and partially because the static and electric field and all those kind of things. And you can, you can feel it. It's just that amplified. But instead of affecting the, the skin and the kind of sensory nerves, it touches the nervous system in a different way to create the, the spontaneous movement as far as I can see. So this is a true part. So a Qigong therapist will build up the strength of their field, especially around their hands, especially around their hands, to create such effects. Okay, it's not even that difficult. To be perfectly honest, most people can learn it quite, um, quite quickly. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of mystique around it and stuff like this. Now, the bit that's fake, and this is what always makes me laugh. Is what you see is uh, a bit of smoke and mirrors, you know. <laughs> so what happens is the Qigong therapist, say they've got a patient here, and the Qigong therapist moves their arm to lift the other person's limb, you know what I mean? Or maybe they're starting to push on them and the patient's body's starting to sway. Now then what happens is when the subconscious movement is initiated in the patient, to be perfectly honest, the movement is now moving through the patient independent of the therapist. This is the bit where I see the smoke and mirrors. So, for example, I can, I can do this quite easily with someone. I can have someone stand, 
emit chi into their body, um, which essentially means the field around me is influencing the movement in the nervous system of the person I'm working on, till they start getting the subconscious movement and they'll start to sway or something like this. Now if I move my hands backwards and forwards, it's no longer in time with the patient. doesn't matter if I push my field into them or pull my field out of them. What happens is there's like a, um, a sort of swaying backwards and forwards of their own energy that is moving through the body at that time, whether it's moving through the channels, whether it's moving through the nervous system or not, um, it doesn't really matter. Like it, something is moving through them and they are moving with it if they're in a relaxed enough state. Once it is initiated in them, I can almost step back and just watch and let that process unfold uh, within that person. Okay, so they'll rock. I, I use my hands, I initiate the field effect, they start to move, I then take my hands back um, and just sort of watch and they'll carry on going through those movements. It's completely independent of what I do with my hands. But many Qigong practitioners or Qi emitters will deny this fact. Okay, in a minute I'll contradict myself because that's what I like to do. I've got no one else to argue with, I'll argue with myself. But uh, essentially what they they try to do is try to deny this fact and you'll see a very interesting process taking place. Now if you get some of these Qi emission videos Watch it for yourself and watch really, really closely. Because what you'll see first is the therapist will move their hands. So they are point A. Then the patient, point B, will start to move in response to point A, right? So that means the initiating part is the therapist. Now the patient is following the therapist's movement. That's what happens at the beginning. That's the real part. Now the fake part. <laughs> the fake part is now the patient will start to move. Now watch what the Qigong emitter does. Okay, all these videos coming out of China, people are doing Qi emission. The therapist will then start to follow the movements of the patient because they want to make it look like they're still in control. So if the patient starts rocking towards them, they'll pull their hands back towards them so it looks like they pulled them. And then the patient will rock away from them and they'll, their hands will follow the patient to make it look like they push the patient and so on and so on. And you can see it like a little lag time where the therapist goes like this. And when you'll see it is when an unexpected movement comes out of the patient. So it gets backwards, forwards, backwards, forwards, backwards, forwards out of the patient. It's okay. A nice little rhythm. I can sync with this. And then they'll make a sudden jerk to the left. Maybe because the nerves on the left side of their body contracted or maybe something twisted inside their body, a muscle engaged. And they'll lurch off to the left. And you'll see the therapist oh, has to catch up. And you'll see their hands move as if they pushed them to the left. And, and then what happens, because it's the Chinese arts and we like flamboyance, is then once they've got a bit of a pattern and they think, right, okay, I know what this person's body is going to do, they'll get more flamboyant. So then the therapist will stand back and make larger movements with their hands, backwards and forwards. They'll take a low stance like they're doing Shaolin all of a sudden because a low stance really makes a difference to Qi emission. It issues out, so it looks impressive. But... I hope you can see what I'm trying to get at here is at this stage the therapist is following the patient and that is smoke and mirrors. Yeah, it's essentially what they're doing. They're trying to make like make it look like they have more control than they do. Now, of course, every one of those movements they're doing, the up, the down, the backs, forwards, in and out, what they try and say um, is that each of these had a medical application. I'm moving chi to this part of the field, I'm moving it to that part of the field, I'm moving it in his arm, moving the legs, because I can see the deficiencies in the energy in the patient or something like this. None of that is true with the field effect way of working. None of that is true. Now the main reason none of that is true is because the therapists who are working at that level do not have the perception to understand where the deficiencies and what have you are in the patient with regards to their channels. 
most of the Qigong emitters who are doing this essentially are not telling the truth when they say they have some kind of perception of it. And, and basically, if we want to sound really sort of out there at the moment, I don't mind, I'll sound a bit, sound a bit hippie-ish with this, I'm sure, but when the energy moves through the patient's body, through the nerves, essentially hyperstimulation of the nervous system and it starts moving out of your conscious control. And of course you can stop it at any time because you can lock your body or tense or, or just sort of take conscious control yourself and just override the autopilot if you want to. But if that is moving through the patient's body, um, then it will, it's almost like the, there's an innate body consciousness that knows what to do anyway. So if, for example, there is tightness in a part of your body because of an injury or a sickness or something, the energy will move there anyway. It, it'll already do it. It's like all the Qigong therapist does with the field effect way of working is initiate the response in the patient and then the patient's body does the rest of the work themselves. That's essentially what happens. The therapist could just do two minutes and then just stand back and watch if they're using this kind of effect. But they don't do that because smoke and mirrors, of course. Now, uh, with the field effect way of working, you'll recognize that because those are the kind of treatments where you'll see the patient moving their hand, the, the therapist moving their hands, and then the patient's body following as if some mystical esoteric energy is coming out. That's what you'll see. Now, of course, those kind of things got translated into Ling Kong Jin or empty force, where you hit someone from a distance um, without, you know, in combat, which is obviously not, <laughs> not, well, it's just, yeah. Just forget it. But there you go. But it, it's, it became that. But this, this is what you're seeing. This is what I call the field effect. Now, a lot of hands-on healing or energy work is really to do with this field effect. So uh, a lot of people will say chi is coming out. And there's a truth to it. There's a falseness to it. Because it's not that the chi is coming out with the field effect way of working. Rather, just the field has got a little bit stronger. So this like magnetic resonance is a little bit higher. And what it'll do, I mean, even, even if I just do this with my hand, because I've done a lot of Qigong, even that speed with no conscious influence, even out here, what I feel is there's a tingling through my skin and like a magnetic pulse that moves through my skin as I, as I do that. Funnily enough, as I get past the watch, there's like a little bruised feeling very sort of subtly because there's a metal object there. But when I do this, there's like a, a wave of, of static or magnetism because my nerves are reacting uh, to the field that is around my hand. I'm not emitting chi. There's nothing coming out at this moment. It's already just the field around me. Um, and a lot of it works on that effect. And if you see people doing um, uh, a lot of energy healing work, this is what they're doing. Whatever they say, they're doing the field effect. Whether they say it comes from angels or heaven or they're pushing chi out of the body or something like this, most of it's the field effect. So this is why I say there is some truth and there's some fakeness in it. I hope you can see that, or, or my experience of it. There's the truth is you can initiate a process from one person's body to another, kind of resonance that exists from party A to party B. Um, but the fakeness is, the falseness of it is, that then the therapist starts to kind of smoke and mirrors, follow the movements of the patients to make it look more dramatic. Um, and watch the videos, you'll see it now. You'll see it if you watch the videos. You'll go find them. Look up Qi Emission Therapy videos on YouTube and you'll find it coming out of China and the West and, and find it for yourself. And, and again, what you'll see, like I say, is um, always the same simple movements at first, like this, all right? Da, 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 just because you need the field to connect. Oh, now the patient's relaxed, now they're moving. And now they've got them. Now more flamboyant. And oh, the arm's going that way, so I must go, oh, I've got to time myself with the arm. And you'll see it. You'll see the smoke and mirrors coming out afterwards. Generally, what's um, a more accurate way of using the field effect within Qigong uh, in that way, you know, to pass the magnetic field from someone else to, from the therapist to the 
patient's body or student's body, is when people have a class and they'll go around and maybe if they're using Zofagon, they'll initiate that, initiate that process in the student, but then they'll leave them to it. And you'll see that in a, that kind of class is based on that kind of spontaneous movement uh, that the, the student or patient or whatever will go through half an hour, an hour's worth of spontaneous movement without the therapist having to be involved. There's really no need. The only reason that the therapist should really be involved is if it gets too strong, just to advise them to calm it down or, or relax or, or something like this. Now that's the field effect way of working. And this is why chi emission is so complicated because for most people, this is what they're using, they're using the field effect. But then there are other verms, versions of chi emission that comes after this that is more complex, that is actually based upon taking something from your body, passing it into the patient. This is more complicated to learn. Um, and the level of time investment of the therapist is a lot higher, but also the level of risk is a lot higher as well. Uh, and sometimes I think in chi emission, we don't talk about the risks um, about what this is. So if you go online and you see arguments, because it's easy these days, you just find a Facebook group or forums are gone, aren't they? Do forums even exist anymore? Facebook group related to a subject. Um, and you type it in, you'll find 20 arguments within half an hour of people arguing about this subject. And part of the reason that they're arguing, it's interesting because when I watch the arguments on cheer mission, I agree with both parties involved because generally what well, the party that is arguing against cheer mission is often talking about, okay, firstly, they're saying it's completely fake because they've never experienced it. Well, first of all, I can sympathize with that view because if you are one of these people that has a tendency to galvanize your view towards one point, you know, I think that's wrong. I've already said, but I can see why you would, why, um, you know, if, if that is your life experience, uh, then I can see why you would have that view. And you'll never convince anyone to change their mind uh, via Facebook arguments. There's no point even discussing things with such people. The, the second view that you see is everything is just the field effect. That's all it is, exactly what I've been talking about here. Um, and then what happens is the third view is someone going, no, there's something much higher taking place and it's about energy coming here. here. But the reason I can sympathize with party B and C, the one that says just field effect and the ones that say something higher, is because they're both arguing from their own points of experience. Because the person saying it's just field effect from, you know, passed into the nervous system of the patient is correct. Because in a lot of cases, that is what's happening, but not all cases. And the person who's arguing from the other side who's saying, no, it's something higher. There's an energy I'm transferring from my body or I'm taking from the heavens or whatever model they use is arguing from their point of perspective, but they're saying that all Qigong is based on that, but a lot of it is based upon field effect. Field effect is quite interesting because if you have a Qigong practitioner who is very good, that field will fill the space that they are within as well. So they don't even need their Lao Gongs, they don't need their hands, there's just an influence that transfers from them to the rest of the space. This was long understood within the Eastern arts I mean, this kind of learning by osmosis, by absorbing the influence of the, of the teacher was why people sought out high-level teachers, why you sought out the highest-level teacher you possibly could, you know, to, to receive that effect. It doesn't do the work for you, but it, it does kind of help you in that direction a little bit. It does kind of speed you up um, just because it activates a similar reaction within the center of the body. Essentially, it was the basis of things like satsangs where you sat with the master. Why would you sit with a master? It wasn't for their scintillating conversational company usually because they normally sat very <laughs> quietly but the idea was that if someone had generated this field effect to a highest to a high enough level um, that it would influence people within the space they were they were sat within now people will think that sounds mystical but to me not really I, I see it as kind of like 
everything psychological or physical has an energetic equivalent, if you like, a mechanic behind it. I see it as like the energetic mechanic of um, uh, charisma. You know, it's kind of like chi charisma. Like it's, it's, if you get someone who's got great charisma, that'll affect people psychologically within a room. There's like a, a field effect of the psychology taking place, and it can be quite electrifying. If you've ever been to see one of those really high-level motivational speakers or um, sort of religious leaders or something, it's electrifying. The, 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 the sort of the hairs stand up on your arms and your necks and you get excited and then you have to remind yourself 10 minutes, oh no, I got sucked in, that person's a bullshitter, I forgot, but you get caught up in it. But that's kind of like the psychology version, that's charisma, there's a similar process. I'm not saying that the field effect is charisma because I've met some very young charismatic people with awful dress sense but still have this kind of field effect. But they... Um, they elicit this response in people around them simply because of the nature of the field that they've built around them. Whether you call it the aura, whether you call it something else, it doesn't matter. This field will have an influence upon the nervous system. How do I know it's a nervous system? Because it creates sensation, it creates feeling. If you are feeling anything, it is your nerves. Doesn't matter like, you know, no, I'm feeling chi. Yeah, sure, you're feeling chi, but how do you feel your chi? Through your nerves, your, your sense system, sensory system picks it up through there. I'm feeling the the movement of the Archangel Gabriel coming in from above. How do you feel that? Through your nerves. You never really feel anything apart from your nervous system. So <laughs> this field, whatever it's influencing within you, whatever it's doing, your personal experience of it is experienced on that level. Now to me, when people start to move or sway, this is the nerves. When people start to have consciousness changes, this is also the nervous system and, and relationship to the brain and the mind and things like this. It's all related to this similar effect. This is quite different from transmission, by the way, or empowerments, these kind of things you might hear of existing within Taoist or Buddhist or Hindu, Shaktipat, lineages and things like this. Um, these are a little different. I'm, I'm purely sticking with chi emission and the field of a master's chi that you, you might train within or something like this. You know, it's a little bit different. Empowerments and transmissions are definitely more complex and definitely more towards the, the woo-woo side of things. Oh. <clears throat> By the way, do you know the secret of telling how good a Chinese master is? Oh, it's very easy. How high they wear their they wear their trouser belt, their line. So a true master, you don't notice this, tends to wear their trousers up here. <laughs> That's how you tell. That's the secret. Go watch uh, Tai Chi or Qigong videos and watch the, the Chinese masters. And you'll always tell the highest level masters have the highest waistbands. Now you know. All these articles you see about how to, how to find it, how to choose the best teacher, which is normally um, whoever wrote it generally should just write me, you know, should just write their own name, should be the article, because they basically describe themselves for several pages. What they should write is go find the master with the highest waistband, and you've got the highest level practitioner right there. So, after the field effect, then you have something else. You have a type of chi that can be passed from the um, therapist to the patient. Um, and this is taking a step up to another level of uh, complexity. So there's different types of chi. We can say nei chi, internal chi, is one. Wei chi, not guardian, don't, not W-E-I, if you're a Chinese medicine practitioner using pinyin, but W-A-I, way to expel chi. Actually, expels nei chi, internal chi, in the majority of cases. Uh, and this is energy that is derived from the dantian in many systems. There are other systems that say they become like a conduit to something that's passing through the body. And in most cases, uh, they are in error, actually. They are in, in error. Um, they are using their own energy. This is something that um, 
I always try to make clear to energy workers that there is always a payoff for what you do. Even with the field effect, there is a payoff. In the field effect, when I go like this and I, I'm influencing someone, there is an exchange taking place. There is an exchange taking place during a conversation with someone, you know. It's almost like uh, if you talk to someone who's got the flu and there's bacteria or COVID, I suppose. You know, if that's your thing, then, then you know, it can transfer over and you can catch it. It's very similar with emotions, feeling, qualities of energy, things stored within the nervous system. There's a, you know, uh, there's a somatic um, harmonization that takes place between two people. You see this when people talk to each other and they emulate each other's body language. You also see it when you start to talk to people and you start to feel what they feel, that you empathize emotionally. Now, someone that has a very mobile energy system, if you want, within Qigong terminology, or a very relaxed and receptive nervous system, which is also quite common for people who've done Qigong, means that if you sit with someone and they have aches and pains in part of their body or something, it's not long before you start to adopt those aches and pains within your body as well um, and you can come up or oh, someone's very tired maybe they're suffering with me or, or something like this you can come away feeling really exhausted or, or something this kind of um, somatic or, or sympathetic empathy that your body is doing that is absorbing from the other person you will find heightens more and more with qigong practice some systems of qi, qi therapy even use it as a form of diagnosis we touch the patient allow the quality of their nervous system transfer to your nervous system so you can feel it um, it's not even that difficult if your body is in a certain state. And it's uh, surprisingly accurate, horrendously accurate, actually, if, you, if you're very, very good at it. But that process of exchange is taking place anytime the field effect is from you to the other person. Because in order to strengthen your field, you generally have to relax a lot, um, amongst other things. There's more to it. But when you relax a lot, that field gets a little bit stronger. Um, but the process of doing that means you are more likely to absorb from the other person. And this is why you get lots of things like energy burnout and stuff like that. And lots of teachers who teach energy work will teach people how to deal with this energy burnout or how to um, develop defenses, if you like, against this or how to clear the energetic system afterwards. But it doesn't matter how good your defense mechanism is it's never going to be a hundred percent you will always absorb from the patient now this is something i've butted heads with qigong therapists so many over the years teaching in the qigong world because so many of them think they're completely immune to the influences of the person they're working with you're not there's always an exchange even an acupuncturist will exchange to a certain extent they've got a needle as a barrier but they're still in exchange energy workers will adopt more it's part of the reason why people who do a lot of energy treatments end up looking very, very unhealthy very, very quickly because they, they absorb, but they don't learn how to discharge that problem. And I want to make really clear here, imagining a white shield in front of you will not stop things coming into your body. Because it doesn't matter if you imagine a, a white shield or a guardian energy or a tube of light or whatever stopping you, that's your imagination. Um, and the nervous system will still pick up from the person that you're treating. So there's always going to be an exchange. Now, in the case of emitting something out of the body that normally comes from the, the Dantian, the storage house of energy, and, uh, you know, anybody who's done Qigong or alchemy for a long time or five minutes will know that the idea that you have this rechargeable battery in the lower abdomen that needs building up, um, unless you're a Tai Chi practitioner. If you're a Tai Chi practitioner, especially a Chen-style practitioner, often you think that the Dantian is a model for the muscles of the waist or the abdomen or the pelvis. It's not. What they used to do, what they did in the martial arts was they started to label regions of the body after things that were in that area. So they would cool the whole of the lower back, for example, in Tai Chi, the Ming Men area. 
Okay, now Ming Men is a very small point on your back, but they would name the whole of that region the Ming Men because it was easy to label it that way. The chest got known as Shanzhong, even though it's a very fine point in acupuncture. And in the same way, the central point of the abdomen or the abdominal cavity became named the Dantian in Tai Chi to label this physical region of the body after something, a structure that was there that was discovered and used by alchemists. So um, it's not something physical, if, if that's what you believe. The Dantian is something else. But this Dantian can store energy um, and do various things uh, with it. And one of these things is to emit this energy out. Now, to emit the energy out of the Dantian is, is firstly a little bit tricky when you're learning how to do it. It's harder than you might think. It's kind of like squeezing toothpaste uh, at the end of a tube. It's not, you see people like smoothly emitting energy. It's not like that. There's a lot of um, very fine motor control of small muscles inside that are needed to direct the force towards the Dantian to get that energy out. But when that Nechi comes out, that internal energy, it will drain the person that's doing it. So someone who's using Nechi or using the Dantian energy or actually emitting energy will gradually deplete their own energy. Now that energy um, can be uh, regained or recuperated through sleep and rest and food and practice. But actually sleep and rest and food is you know, a pretty good way of getting it back. But you can think of it like this. It's not literal, <clears throat> but you have this like energy that you can replace. And then you've got your reserves. And the reserves can't be replaced. Some people call it the congenital chi or getting close to the essence. Now, if I'm treating, maybe this is the difference between that I can re replace and that I can't. And what happens is this energy will fluctuate. I use some up, then I replace it. I use some up, then I replace it. But if I go too much and I don't replace it, I touch upon these reserves, then they burn up. Okay. Now I'm working here. Then I go, I burn some up, so now my level is here. And you see what happens is this amount gets less and less. As you're burning up that, sub, and okay, it's a bit of a conceptual model within Chinese medicine to help you understand how these things work, but it's not that inaccurate. And what happens is when those reserves burn out, so does your health. You burn it up. So people that are doing qi emission very occasionally are not so suffering so much, but people who do it all the time, maybe they run clinics or something like this, um, then, yeah, they're going to touch upon those reserves and, and burn it up, and that's where they get problems. Now, <clears throat> some people are in denial of that, and that's where issues come. And part of the other issue is if you do become a very strong qi emitter, not a field effect person, but an actual qi emitter, like, like to, a, to a good level, you'll often end up very, very busy because people <laughs> will come for many, many treatments, and it doesn't take long um, before you've got this busy clinic and you're working all the time. Um, especially as the ego gets involved and you know it's nice to impress people with X-Men-like abilities and things. So it's not long before before this kind of thing becomes a problem. And what happens to a lot of chi emitters is depending upon the level of the chi they have developed, um, they can suffer different health effects. So somebody using nechi, generalized chi from the body to the other person, uh, generally gets like exhaustion and things after a while, migraines and, and stuff. And, and you know it takes a long time to get sick. But the more refined that chi within the body becomes, the more strong the effect when you treat someone. But the stronger the effect when you treat someone, or the stronger, the more refined the energy coming out of you, the more that it depletes your own system. So that eventually, if you're doing very, very powerful energy work, uh, it can drain you very, very quickly. So you get this curious thing. It's like the more skill you develop, the more of a cost you pay with regards to your own health. And this is what you see time and time again. So with Nechi, when it comes out, it still moves within the nerves, it still moves within the tissues, it can move within the channels. But then you have a more refined system um, of energy, 
that then can move within what they call the pranic body or the energy body. So now I know we're getting esoteric. Um, and this is very confused people because I always think that uh, people tend to try to camp themselves in that everything is physical and science camp or everything is esoteric and the spirits guide the world camp. But actually, there's nothing wrong with the two coming together because the truth, it contains both of them. So when I teach beginners or I teach intermediate, intermediate students, generally everything is very, very physiological. So even though people who've not met me tend to think I'm very esoteric, if you meet me, most of my classes are about muscles and tendons and contraction and releasing the mass and releasing weight. Very physiological, physical processes. But as people get better and move out of this, uh, the next stage is actually everything becomes a little bit less physiological, less physical, and then the esoteric comes to the to the fore. I never think you should start there, because you can't deny um, the physical processes that take place in the body, but the arts do go beyond this. So, what you have is this then kind of refined chi that does then work um, within the pranic body, but it's quite hard to get to that level. Um, very few energy workers are at that level, and a lot less energy workers are at that level than think are they are at the level that doesn't make sense a lot <laughs> a lot less energy workers are at level than they think so what you get is a lot of people who think that sort of makes sense think they're working on the energy system think they're working on the pranic system but actually they're not they're mostly working on the nervous system and and this is what a lot of the chi emission work is now those who are working on the energy system, there is all sorts of payoffs. According to their belief system, and I don't know because I don't have enough insight, but just according to what they say, there's also a karmic um, cost to working on the level of someone's energy body. I don't know this because I don't have the perception of that level of karma. Uh, and actually, a lot of the people who I've met who say they do have that perception for the level of karma don't. They, they really don't. They're either delu they're deluded or they're lying, one or the other. But when you do... Um, meet people who work at that level, their opinion is always that there is a price to pay karmically because as soon as you link with someone on that level, there is an exchange taking place there, which kind of makes sense to me. If you, you have the field effect and you influence someone, the nervous system exchanges, then why would you not influence or exchange on a sort of pranic level? And, and your energy system and your karma are quite more intertwined than people might think, actually. Uh, they're, they're more closely tied than people realize. The energy within your body, within your energy system, within your pranic system, is only the energy, the fluid of the mind. That's what it is. It's how the mind interfaces through the body on an energetic level. And your mind contains huge amounts of karmic seeds, so this is what is imprinted within that, and that's what, that's what people are working with. If I think of, um, well, one therapist in particular, actually, in Thailand, if you go to see her, uh, she does work at that level. She's very, very good. If she, you walk in, a patient walk in, it doesn't matter what the patient has, it doesn't matter what the sickness, she'll look and she'll just go, yes, I'll treat you, or no, I won't treat you. There's, there's just a decision made on the spot. Um, and the decision, according to her, is very much based upon, is it the right karma for me to treat you? Is yours the kind of karma I wish to become entangled with? If your karma is not the kind of karma I wish to become entangled with, then thank you very much, but I'll leave you be and I won't treat you. Um, and this is very much how she works. Now, some people would say, oh, it's just imagination or whatever, and perhaps... Um, but my feeling is not with her. My feeling is that she is at that level. She's very, very good, and the things I've seen her do are very, very impressive. So you've got that kind of chi emission taking place. But I think it's funny um, that that kind of chi emission, like I say, it's very rare, uh, rarer than you might think. But I think it's funny when people then think it should be used for things like frozen shoulder or bad back or things that are essentially quite easy to fix with uh, twainar or acupuncture or, or a physical therapy. 
I don't think it should be. In my opinion, those kind of energetic transference should be saved for fairly severe conditions because of the impact that it has upon the therapist. Um, and this is where the problems, problems arise. Now, after this, you have the next stage of qi emission uh, that that is probably the most controversial. And, and you can't really talk about qi emission without talking about the Mopai and John Chang. Now, I know that when a lot of people hear the term Mopai or John Chang, they, go, oh, they sigh inside because of all of the arguments that have taken place over the years. And if, if you're clued into that scene, you know about the arguments with John Chang and, and, and you know, Jim McMillan and, and Costa Sanoas and all those kind of people and this whole scene that went around there and, and every, there was a period in sort of several years ago where everyone was everyone was trying to figure out the Mopai and what have you. Um, but essentially, if you don't know what that is, uh, essentially John Chang, who's passed away now, was one of a number of teachers that, or people, there's, there's a lot of them actually, uh, that would issue an electrical current from the Dantian out of the hand. Um, into either into needles or at contact into someone and essentially like an electric eel blanker from Street Fighter 2 you know they would just issue electricity out of the, out of their body um, into the into the patient now I um, have seen people that adamantly don't believe in such things but it's true it's real uh, it is a thing but the level of um, effort that generates that electrical current means that there is a payoff for your health and a lot of people that work at this level with the electrical current type energy that comes out of the body whether you believe in it or not <coughs> end up suffering some kind of health mishap or grisly death in some cases related to the overuse um, of this skill and this is something you know this is the payoff uh, that they that they make so some people try to divide that skill up and do it in different ways and you get some there's two ways to develop this kind of electrical current one is actually through cultivation on the inside of the body and the other one is through actually um, taking electrical currents into your own body and essentially learning how to store it and then send it out which is a little bit different it's not really like qigong in an essence it's like teaching yourself to become a rechargeable battery if you like to store then to issue and you get these two different methods taking place but Anyway, energy that is emitted at that level has a very, very strong upon the body effect, strong upon the effect upon the body and upon the nerves and upon the vitality of the system that's issued. And then as that energy gets more refined, it can turn into heat. So you see people set fire to things. And again, a lot of people think those videos are fake. Probably some of them are, just like anything, isn't it? If, if you get 10 things you watch, nine of them are fake, one is real. I'm sure some of them, a lot of them are fake, but some of them are real. Um, and then later that chi can turn into a laser, essentially, if you want. Um, so essentially through pointing the finger, the holes can be burnt in stuff and, and things like this in people, if you want, or through paper cups is a common demonstration. And again, I'm sure some of these are fake um, because they're done with actual lasers, machines. Um, but no, it's possible. A lot of these things are possible. But this refinement of qi process essentially all falls under the category of qi emission. So you have everything from the field effect, which creates kind of resonance between you and the other person, which then elicits a reaction within the nervous system, through to actually building up energy within your own body and putting it out into the other person's body, which again is experienced largely through the nerves. Then you have the next level of qi emission where nature comes out, which actually does affect the pranic body or the energy body of the patient. This is a little different from the nervous system, and this is quite a refined level of working. And then what you have is the little more powerful or intense version where it becomes electrical current or heat or or laser energy or something like this and what you have is a stepping up of this of this power if you like that is developed in qi emission
part of the, I mean, the main reason these use is for medicine, right? I mean, that's essentially um, the most useful aspect of it. It is a medical thing to to help people. But of course, what happens is it becomes a case of like power hunting <laughs> or something like this, chasing abilities. And a lot of people are, are, are pursuing these kind of skills for this reason. Now, it's my belief system and my experience uh, that essentially that's always a bit of a road to nowhere. And it's not like every spiritual teacher hasn't said this at some point. Like the, um, the payoff that you make for the pursuit of these is not great with regards to your mind or your ego or your intent or, or something like this. It's no different than desperately pursuing, you know, a mansion or a particular vehicle that you want to drive or something that kind of that burning desire there's always a payoff inside your your body and those that pursue to that sort of obsessive level very rarely get it anyway um they don't achieve it because there's there's a quality inside your mind that's not quite there um, because you can't deny within these arts that there's certain men mental qualities that are required in order to achieve um, or attain certain things Funnily enough, it doesn't mean that mental quality stays once you have achieved that thing and people can make these switches into these other characters um, and that becomes problematic. You get sort of megalomaniac chi emitters, but that doesn't mean they started there, you know. Oh. So maybe this is a bit rambling so far, I'm not sure, but I just want to put my discussion on, on chi emission, really. So then we have something else, don't we? What do we, I mean... What I can't talk about is there are mechanisms behind the achieving of many of these things. I don't think they're podcast discussions. Um, they're to be taught. They're to be taught, you know. And it's not quite as simple as put enough chi in your system and chi will come out. It's more complicated than that. It's a lot more complicated than that. Um, there's all sorts of things that have to be done, meditative training and, and negong training and things to build those kind of skills. But um, that's not really podcast discussion. Really with a podcast, I just want to talk about sort of my views and experiences of, of what these things are. Is it important that you believe in these things? No, not at all. Uh, is it important that they're proved to the public eye and the scientific arena? Not to me personally, I don't care. Um, but I think that to some others it is. I think to some others is, and I think that's a strange one. You see the same thing going on in acupuncture. There's a thing where acupuncturists are desperate to prove that acupuncture is real to doctors or, or medical bodies or, or something like that and I always think it's a bit weird I also think it's shooting yourself in the foot because I think what will happen but the best thing in my opinion for Chinese medicine right now is that most people don't believe in it whether in Western medicine they don't believe in it because they don't believe in it um, it means they leave you alone and they let you practice it because you're just a hippie now what's happened is in some countries they have actually managed to prove the efficacy of some of these treatments um, through studies, not to any great degree, but to a certain degree. And then the first thing that happens is once they prove it works, it gets regulated and then it gets passed over to medical practitioners. And there's this whole process going in the UK, especially where acupuncturists are trying to prove that acupuncture works. If they prove that acupuncture works, all that will happen is that medical doctors will be the ones allowed to do acupuncture and you won't be allowed to practice anymore because now we know your therapy is real. Do, do acupuncturists seriously think that if acupuncture was proved real, they'd still be allowed to practice it without a medical license. I don't think so. So they're shooting themselves in the foot. And, and I think similar, in similar ways, this should happen with these kind of energetic things as well. That there's almost a, it might sound strange because I don't know what the implications would be, but if they did manage to prove such things were real, I wonder what would happen to the arts. I wonder what level of regulation or scrutinization would take place. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. 
And because these things, and this will sound woolly, I apologize, but because these things are so intertwined with spiritual development as well, which is a discussion for another time, how did she, there's a good discussion. How does chi and spiritual growth go together? I don't think a lot of people know that actually. They can't tell you the, the connection between the two. Two of the most confusing connections for people, I think, is how do martial arts and spiritual growth go together? How do chi and spiritual growth go together? There is a very specific mechanism for it, but people don't know it. Because when they talk about qi development, they talk about qigong, when they talk about meditation, they normally talk about Buddhism, and they separate the two a little bit, but there is actually a cause and effect relationship between the two. Maybe that's a good discussion. Who knows? Anyway, uh, because it's linked into spiritual development, I don't know what the level of regulation or level of um, scrutinization from scientific bodies, I don't know how useful that would be. I'm, I'm against the kind of um, study of Buddhist meditators, uh, by scientists and psychologists as well, for example. I don't think I don't think that's a, a fruitful exploration of it, but I can't really even put into words why. I just think there's something that's taken from the essence of meditation once it goes down that route. But I could be completely wrong, and I'm happy to be argued with and, and, and explained to why I'm wrong on that, because I don't have a very strong standpoint. It's just a feeling. Um, and, you know... I try not to trust my feelings as gospel, but I don't feel that that's wise. So, energy work, chi emission. There's a couple of last things I want to talk about. One, receiving the chi from heaven to send out through to the, to the other person. I don't believe that's how it works. Heaven to me, within um, Taoism or Chinese arts, is almost always a metaphor for your brain and your consciousness. That's the first thing. Earth is almost always a metaphor for your body. So when they say human, humankind exists between heaven and, heaven and earth, heaven, I don't know if I can cock me there, heaven and earth, when they say it exists between heaven and earth, what they generally mean is that humanity exists or, or being exists at the point of interaction between mind and body. That's what they're referring to. They don't mean that you're standing on a planet and the deities are above you. It doesn't mean that they deny the existence um, of deities or those realms and certainly some traditions are very very hot on that but when they talk about heaven and earth it's not normally what they're referring to so generally within qigong when something is to come from heaven what they mean is something has to happen within your consciousness or sometimes the region of the brain literally as well they mean the upper regions of your being they don't mean from heaven so when the instructions within qigong were to take something heaven from heaven generally meant there had to be a consciousness interaction that took place at that stage. When something came from earth, what they mean is came from your body. So what you have is within Qigong is lots of people trying to draw down Qi from above and draw Qi from under the earth. Um, in my experience, and also in the experience of very high-level Neigong masters that I've spent time with, is that the entire of the path is experienced in your body. So generally, there is a type of dense energy that's produced inside your body. The cells is produced inside the cells on a cellular level. And then there is a type of energy that's derived from the brain, from the glandular system, and also from your spirit, your consciousness, but not from something above you. So I believe it to be a misunderstanding when people are trying to draw all this energy into them. Now, straight away I get, whenever I've said this publicly, I've had people write to me going, no nonsense, I draw lots of chi from trees, and from the ground, and from the angels, and stuff like that. Yeah, maybe. I think more that you resonate like tuning forks with those things so it is true that if you go out into a, a, um, a forest or something you know it's uplifting and energizing and things like that and um, okay there's a lot more oxygen around because of the plant life and stuff but there is an energetic 
sort of upliftingness you have. And what do they call it? Don't they call it, is it forest bathing? They call it sometimes, maybe that's in Japan. I'm not sure, there's a kind of therapy called forest bathing. You basically go for a walk in a forest. But um, people think they're deriving energy from these things, but they're not. It's like tuning forks. One frequency, your frequency, which is all messy and worldly and fucking mixed with Wi-Fi and cities and life and various other pollutants we put in ourselves then goes into the space where there are trees and once the two frequencies harmonize it can make you feel cleaner because like one tuning fork lining up with the other you, you move into synchronization with the tree hopefully the tree doesn't go down a step you go up a step um, and the result is that you know you'd feel great and you feel energized but you're feeling energized because you're functioning on a more efficient level when you're functioning on a more efficient level you produce more energy from inside the the body uh, and this is where the energization uh, the energ energization is that a word and the the increased energy comes from it's from the harmonization um, of these two things so am i against going out and working with trees no not at all i teach it ping hang on. but it doesn't work as people think you're not stealing you're not taking the chi from the the tree there might be a small amount because there's always an exchange taking place between any two items but the majority of it is due with synchronization or harmonization of the body with the environment most of the stuff that you derive, that you require to fill the dantian or build the body up with energy or whatever, is built inside you. The entire of the path is experienced within you. The entire of the path is done within you. This is one of the key teachings of the Eastern traditions. I'm going to have to drink some water. <clears throat> it's not COVID. Don't panic. I will survive this podcast. The second thing I want to talk about is Reiki. <laughs> Here comes... Um, the controversy because um, I don't like Reiki and a lot of people don't really understand me when I say I don't like Reiki they think it's a kind of racism against the Japanese arts because I do the Chinese arts or something which is really not true it's not true for two reasons one is that I spent a lot of years in the Japanese arts and I have no I haven't adopted the racism of the art that I'm within so it's no secret that in the past there hasn't been a love there's been a bit of a sort of enmity between the Chinese and the Japanese because of various things that happened Nanjing and things like that but um, and you see this within the arts it's kind of rival between the Japanese and the Chinese arts. but I'm not Chinese I'm not Japanese so I didn't adopt those i find it funny when people do you get the chinese martial arts going japanese martial arts are just for the thugs and japanese martial arts going chinese martial arts for the pansies why like don't adopt the racism of, of the don't adopt that ism take the good things from a culture not the negative things so i'm not anti-reiki because it's japanese definitely not also because it's quite likely that reiki came from lingzhu which is a tradition chinese-based tradition anyway so I'm not against it for that reason. I'm also not against Reiki because I don't think it's it's real. The reason I'm against Reiki is because it works. And that's why I'm against Reiki. Because I'm highly confused. I'm confused by how it worked. Not how it works, the mechanism, because uh, you know people have explained it to me and things like that. But I'm confused in that um, it can work so quickly. Because people will go do a two-day course, four-day course, six-day course often and then you always get these people no no i do the authentic reiki oh, really you did the yes i did six weeks training oh all right that makes it better but the reason <laughs> the strange thing is that reiki largely works on empowerments and transmissions so i said i wasn't going to get into empowerments or transmissions but essentially um through the anchoring of certain spiritual symbols and what have you into the energetic matrix of the practitioner yes that sounded really cosmic um 
then a certain skill set is developed uh, where people can develop the Reiki force or whatever they want to call it so that you can use as a healing power. Part of the problem is that if you give that ability to someone in two days, four days, six days or something like this, they don't learn any of the safety mechanisms, nothing at all. So what happens with Reiki is they tend to absorb a lot back off of the patient and it doesn't matter how good you think your shielding techniques are, they don't work because you haven't studied enough, long enough to build a resilience, almost like a, a radiance off of your body that will prevent something from coming in. I mean, that's one of the rules of energy. Energy that either moves from in to out or out to in, that's it. Second thing with Reiki practitioners is they believe that all the energy is coming through them and it's not using up their own. It's not true. It is using up your own. Now, what's quite funny is I've been around a lot of Qigong teachers and masters over the years and seen some of the pitfalls they, they make. And you always get the same deaths, if you like, come up from someone that overuses energy. They either get um, liver, the liver gives out, liver failure, or a heart attack or stroke. That's what they get. Okay, one of those three conditions. Liver failure, heart attack, stroke. That's what seems to happen if they overuse energy work. The liver gets too strained, or the heart gives out, probably because of the electric field around the heart, I would imagine, or they have a stroke, meaning that, you know, connection to the brain is impacted. I have seen those deaths happen, and heart attacks that they survived, to lots of energy workers. Cancer doesn't kill them, tumors don't kill them, it's heart attack, stroke, or liver failure. Those are the deaths, and what happens essentially when that starts to impact upon the person's health, it's because they are absorbing too much, and also when they are sending energy out, they are using up their own. It is depleting up their own field. Now the problem is, say I go to the gym, and I overuse the gym too much. I'll feel it, right? I, I do it, and I've done too, oh, next day I'm like, oh, I feel that. Oh, I've done too much of the gym. You know you've overdone it. If you keep going for another week, you've got no energy at all. You can't even get out of bed. Then two weeks later, you're still doing it. You got out of bed. You went to the gym. You force it. You, but you feel that gradual decline until you get to the point where you burn out. That's what happens with, with kind of physical things because you feel it. With energy work, you don't. The curious thing is often the depletion inside you is not read by your nervous system. So you don't feel it. So if this is good health and this is death, <laughs> opposite ends of the spectrum, then your energy system drops, but you don't feel it. You feel like you're doing okay. You might feel a bit peculiar, but you don't feel the burnout until, boom, it's suddenly too late. It's almost like because it's inside, maybe your nervous system doesn't give you feedback or, or something like this. I don't know exactly. But what I see from people who overdo it and overdo it and overdo it because they think they're a conduit to the energy is they all of a sudden get these health collapses. I mean, I believe the... Um, formulator, founder of Reiki, died himself of a stroke at age 60. And lots of people go, well, because he had this health benefit. Well, no, I mean, he just copied, I mean, he fits into the pattern that you see with um, many, many chi emitters that also make the same error. I've had teachers that died of liver failure. I know someone who died of a stroke from energy um, transference and things like this as well. This is what gets them. So part of my issue with Reiki is I think that it opens people up to getting their field strong. There's also a transference between them and the patient, but it, they're not well enough trained. The other problem with it is I don't think anyone should ever do any energy transference or energy treatments unless at the bare minimum they also understand energy medicine. And what I mean by that is they have to either have a qualification and experience in Chinese medicine, which you're looking at three to five years probably to get that, 
or something similar, maybe Tibetan medicine, maybe Ayurvedic, I don't know, but you have to have a conceptual model to work with the person's health. It's not enough to put your hands on and ask the angels to do the healing for you or whatever the fuck you do. You have to have a conceptual model to work with the person in the same way that I wouldn't want to go to a doctor uh, and they don't have any, con well, more than a concept, they don't have a, an understanding of how my body works and they just give me some pills. Like they just reach in the cupboard and trust the angels to give me the right pills. You have to have a model of what's going on. Because you're um, essentially interfacing or interfering with somebody, but you don't know why. So for example, with acupuncture, I wouldn't put randomly put needles in you. Weirdly, I see some acupuncturists do, but I wouldn't do that. I would want a full diagnosis. I need to see your tongue. I need to take your pulse. I need to speak to you. I need to palpate the body. I need to observe you. All of these things. I need to get a complete picture of the nature of your illness so I know what organs are impacted, um, you know, which part of your psychology is affected, which channels are affected, what are the thermal qualities of the body, all these things, and only then do I intervene with your health. You can't learn that in a few days. So this is why I'm anti-Reiki as a therapy, because you have something that works, but you don't have enough knowledge. You just don't. It doesn't matter if you think that you're using intuitive knowledge. Intuition is always distorted. It's distorted by your mind. You, you, it doesn't matter how cleverly intuitive, there's always going to be a little bit of distortion there, I'm afraid. Um, so I just want to clarify, that's why I'm against it. I'm against it because it works, but there is a lack of safety mechanisms um, involved in that. And sometimes the patients pay the price, but not so often. More often than not, it's the uh, therapist <laughs> that pays the price for um, this lack of knowledge. So what I would say is if you... In my opinion, if you are an energy worker, go and study and get a conceptual model behind um, what you're doing. It's very, very important. You need to understand uh, the health of the the health of the patient. So that's my take on sheer mission. I won't talk for too long. Excuse me, picking fluff off me. So I got fluff off the, the couch with me, and I got OCD, so I tend to pick things off. Um, I just wanted to discuss it and, and talk about it a little bit about how I see it. It's a big subject. Um, I 